Good Wednesday morning and welcome to The Daily Buzz. I'm your host, Palak Jaiswal. Governor Spencer Cox announced his nominee to fill the vacancy on the Utah Supreme Court. Judge Diana Hagan, an appeals court judge who also spent years as a federal prosecutor, could be Utah's next Supreme Court justice if she's confirmed by the state Senate. In 2017, Hagan was appointed to the Utah Court of Appeals by former Governor Gary Herbert. During her career in law, she's also worked on high-profile trials, like the kidnapping case of Elizabeth Smart. Hagan would replace retired Judge Dino Jimonas. She told reporters at Tuesday's announcement of her nomination that if senators send her to the Supreme Court, Utahns can expect her to be hardworking and respectful. Water. Its continued disappearance in Utah has been a topic of conversation for the governor, lawmakers, and city councils for a while. And now, some Utah high schoolers are taking on the issue of the unending drought in the Beehive State. Reporter Sage Miller and managing editor Grant Burningham talk about Sage's reporting on high school debate teams that are looking for solutions on how to end Utah's water problem. With us to talk about the world of high school debate and what high school debaters are currently talking about is Sage. So some of us did high school debate. I understand you are a high school debater. I was. I've done debate for 10 years of my life. Uh, Well, I think a lot of people probably aren't familiar with what debate sounds like, especially what they call a policy debate. Why don't you talk about what that actually sounds like? Yeah, I'll just have the debaters tell you what it sounds like. There's zero risk. We face extinction now, but space development solves extinction. Being able to get off the rock, even greater than escape bash, and solves research was and natural disasters. Only developing substantial broad-based industry can bring down costs enough to develop and pursue space called to solve extinction. That's- so yeah, pretty inaudible to the untrained ear. Um, they talk very, very quick. And the purpose of it is to just jam as many arguments as humanly possible into the allotted time that they have. Not incredibly practical, uh, but it's part of what makes it competitive and fun. So the beauty of this kind of debate is they need a ton of information in order to spit it out that quickly. And this year they are talking about a topic near and dear to most Utahns. Why don't you talk about what the debate topic is this year? With policy debate, they have one topic that they have to research the entire year. And they become very well-versed with that topic and all the different complexities of such a thing. And this year is all about water and they are debating, I'll read, read it directly. Resolved, the United States federal government should substantially increase its protection of water resources in the United States. That one seems like a hard one to argue against. Yeah. And so when I asked all of the debaters that I talked to for the story, what their initial reaction of the topic was, just straight groans. They were all so angry about it. One of the coaches of Roland Hall, Mike Shackelford, was like, what's what's the opposition? Uh, but he said, from an educational standpoint, it was a really excellent topic to learn about. So they are digging into the same topic that legislatures in Utah are, that our congressmen in Washington are. What are some of the solutions that these kids have come across? Yeah, it's it's incredibly it's incredibly interesting, kind of just the wacky things that they've discovered. And it and the great thing about debate is that there's no limits, right? You can talk about essentially whatever you want as long as you link it back to that topic. There's there's one case that they kind of talk about including indigenous voices into the conversation about how water resources are critically important to that population and how they're they're never part of the conversation. And so criticizing and critiquing how we actually interact with water rights and water distribution on indigenous land, but on a more technical point of policymaking, there's a few really interesting ones. I will let 
one of the kids uh, at Salem Hills, his name is Tate Jackson, talk about the NASA being a key actor in protecting our water resources. NASA keeps track of algae blooms and stuff that so they don't make dead spots that are just like gonna kill fish and like what's happening in Utah Lake. There's literally a card that I read that's NASA helps stop algae blooms in places like Utah Lake. I, I thought that was cool. And a second one is looking at cloud seeding, which is essentially just the man-made action of creating more snowfall and rainfall. And they talk about how it's not going to solve climate change, but it will at least mitigate the impacts of it until somebody can actually solve climate change, if that's possible. Here's one of the debaters talking about it. They're using kind of technology to be able to kind of alter our weather patterns and allow us to have more rainfall, for example, I think is an interesting solution because especially in the short term, I think it provides opportunities to mitigate some of the worst risks of droughts while buying us more time to diversify away from fossil fuels. Were there any persuasive arguments against the federal government? Yeah, absolutely. And it's states' rights is one of the biggest ones that they have. So the federal government is not a one-size-fits-all. They can't meet the needs of all 50 states in the United States, specifically in the West when we're in a mega drought. Our needs are vastly different than Alabama. So a lot of them make this argument that we shouldn't have the federal government as the actor to address protecting water resources. We should have states doing it. Okay, Sage, thanks for talking to us about high school debate. And your article goes online at sltrib.com tomorrow, correct? Yeah, it goes live on Thursday. But if you really want to support the paper, you can buy it a hard copy on Wednesday. There you go. Subscribe (laughs) to the Salt Lake Tribune. All right. Thank you very much, Sage. Next, city and county reporter Blake Apgar discusses his reporting on new eclectic buses that are headed to Park City and how they could help Sundance and Ski Town reach its energy goals. Yeah, so this week I checked out Transit in Park City and uh, this month the federal government awarded uh, about $2.4 million to the uh, Utah Department of Transportation to help Park City purchase uh, three new electric buses and one electric passenger van. That's gonna give Park City the capacity to open up service on State Road 248, uh, which connects US Highway 189 to Park City. It's one of the two major ways into Park City. Um, And, you know, these buses are going to have the immediate impact of of helping to increase that capacity to serve a, a proposed park and ride out that way. But they also factor into Park City's bigger climate goals of reaching net zero carbon emissions by 2030. A big part of that is electrifying the transit fleet. Once Park City receives these buses uh, and they receive some other buses that they already have on order, uh, by next year, more than half of the transit fleet in Park City is going to be electrified. Blake, do we know about how many electric buses operate in Utah? UTA, the largest transit agency in Utah, started operating all electric buses in 2020. It only has three in service right now. Uh, when a rapid transit, uh, when a rapid transit route in Ogden opens up, that's going to be served by 11 new electric buses. But but electric buses only make up about one percent of UTA's fleet. Thanks, Blake. You can check out his latest story about the Park City buses at sltrib.com. A few weeks ago, my colleague Stephanie Russell and I reported on South Salt Lake's Chinatown supermarket. 
It's now facing a federal lawsuit from the United States Department of Labor for obstructing an investigation into the market's labor practices. The lawsuit alleges the market interfered when investigators tried to look into employees' work hours and didn't hand over time card records. Investigators later learned the market had removed Spanish-speaking employees on days they came by to inspect the market. The lawsuit also alleges employees were coached on what to tell the inspectors, and when investigators returned, managers did their best to try to watch the interviews of market employees. You can read the full story on the lawsuit at sltrib.com. That's all today for The Daily Buzz, but I'll be your host for the rest of the week. Huge thank you to the Tribune's Joel Cardanas for editing The Daily Buzz today, and a special shout out to the band The Pelicans from right here in Salt Lake City for our music. <laughs> <laughs>